What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Ward of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I am super excited about the guest that I have on today. But before we get to that, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you very much for joining me today. I'm super excited for the guests that I have on. He and I kind of have the same values, same principles that we like to uh, kind of express to not only parents, but dads. And uh, he's got a phenomenal podcast. And I, I can't wait for him to kind of dive in and tell us a little bit more about it. But he's the host of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. And he's become a good friend of mine. His name is Scott Ramage. Thank you very much, Scott, for being on, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Been following you on Instagram for a while, messaging back and forth, and it's just been a blast watching everything you're doing. So, of course, uh, I'm really pumped that we're connecting now. Absolutely. I am as well. Um, Cool. Well, let's do this. Let's dive right in because I want to know more about you. I know you and I have talked, uh, you know, off the air. We've talked and and gotten to know each other a little bit, but I want to know more about you, kind of your backstory, kind of your background. And for my listeners who don't know who you are, they'll want to know about you as well. And then kind of leading up to where you are today and the things that you're doing. And then obviously this is a dad podcast. So I want to know about your family as well. Oh, you bet, man. Um, so there's a, there's a really great story to why I started the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, why I do the podcast. So we actually have a, a group on Facebook. And it was simply because uh, I had been through a lot of challenges as a father, as a husband, and as a man. And I was at this place in life where I was looking for a tribe. And I I wanted to be able to impart some of my hard-earned wisdom to men as they were young and -and up-and-coming fathers and husbands and contributors to society. But I also wanted to, to have my own like tribe of people that would support me as well. So it was kind of this, this growth between a friend and a friend and I, who um, we became very fast friends. We were in the same industry and started talking a lot. And basically I ended up kind of mentoring him through some parenting stuff. He mentored me through some business stuff. And we, one day he's just like, let's, let's do this thing. Let's, let's start the brotherhood of fatherhood. But really the origin story comes from um, me as kind of a serial entrepreneur I was um, before, right before I had my very first child, I decided I was going to start a business. I was a full-time educator, middle school educator, had been a middle school educator for years, loved that profession, um, you know, studied, got my master's degree in that area and uh, was thriving at it, but I just had an itch. And I, I started my own brick and mortar business that was just going to be a, you know, air quotes, hobby. And my mom, my wife was like, oh, oh goodness, here, uh, here we go. And this was right before we had our firstborn. And, you know, it's so funny because I, I interview a lot of men now, a lot of entrepreneurs, and it is a very common theme that they start businesses and new things right before their firstborn comes. Right. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> we, we feel like we got to overaccomplish or, you know, provide for our family or whatever it is. So what do we do? We immerse ourselves in tons of work and take ourselves out of the home. At least that's what I did. So I was working full-time as an educator, getting up at 4 a.m. because this business grew and grew and grew to like seven full-time employees. You know, it was in brick and mortar. It was open all the time. It grew and grew and grew where I was going to work at 4 a.m. in the morning, working out, going back to work, then going to school, then going straight to work, 
And I would literally see my family a few hours a week. And um, yeah, you know, and I just kind of dove into it and, and my friend base and everything was based around work and it was a bike shop. So I was really involved in, I was always out riding with people, you know, in the name of building my business. And um, this went on for years and I was just completely uh, blind, blindfolds on blinders, you know, the horse blinders, so they don't see side to side on building the business for the betterment of my family. All the meantime, pretty much just ignoring my family. Right. Um, yeah. So I did that for five years and there was a, one of those uh, moments called a Mack truck moment. You, you don't get slapped aside the head. You get hit by a truck. I came home like at nine o'clock at night, all the lights were out in the house. There was a, a plate on the table on a placemat and nothing else. And it like all of a sudden hit me just like over, like in an instant, I am a crappy husband and I'm a crappy father. I haven't seen my kids today. I haven't seen my wife today. I have no idea what happened. And, um, and then I just, from that moment on, and I was on a mission, uh, I actually ended up closing that business, which was a successful business. And it's, a, uh, that was right at 2008. And I had a buyer, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory and I was selling it and the buyer backed out at the 11th hour, you know, the industry, uh. the economy, the way it was. And, um, I did, hadn't sold anything. So I still decided to close it. So we took on, my wife and I took on about a quarter million of debt, debt overnight, just simply so I could say, I need to see my family. I need to be the husband, the man, the, the father that I need to be. Um, we did that. We did it in unison. We did it together. She was fully um, beside me. But what I learned really, really, really quickly is I had no clue how to be intentional and how to be around my family. So long story short, I went through depression, lots of time, not knowing what to do now, massive debt, working a job that I always was going to know my income <laughs> and uh, still having an entrepreneurial itch. And it basically just launched me after two years of kind of a depression, not being a good husband. It launched me into a personal growth journey that I just went deep into and really learned a lot about myself. And, um, and, and at that point, dove into super intentionality in the way that I acted with my kids, the way I spent time with my kids and, um, and the way that I was, uh, shepherding my marriage, being, being a good husband. And, you know, that was probably 10, 12 years ago and I haven't stopped learning. And so for me, the brotherhood is, Hey, every man's going to go through his thing, but if I can help soften the blow and reduce the pain and, and help men see a lot of resources, uh, how to be a better father, uh, how to be a better husband, how to be a better leader, then man, I'm winning. And, and because other people are winning. So that's, that's the backstory, if you will. All right, cool. And what about your kids? How many kids you got? How, what's their ages? So I have two boys. Uh, there's 13, just 14, uh, next month and 17 ones, uh, one going off to visit his, his the college he's committed to, uh, this weekend. So, uh, it's, it's a big step. My wife is kind of having those, those moments you have when your oldest is going to be going away. <laughs> I'm sure you've been through that. It's a, it's quite the experience. Um, yeah, so they're older teenagers, absolutely amazing boys, both, uh, very involved and enjoying, enjoying life and hopefully learning from my past mistakes and, and, uh, going to do everything better than me. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, you and I run in the, have similar interests as far as, you know, our kids go. I got two boys myself and obviously mine are a little bit older than yours, 23 and 20, but 
um, I do know that that feeling of taking your your firstborn uh, off to college, wow. and um, yeah, that's that's a hard transition. It's not only hard for for him, uh, but it's hard for you, uh, you know. And as much as the dads can kind of take the blow a little bit easier, uh, it's mm-hmm. very difficult. Very difficult for Mama Bear. She does not want her little one uh, going off to uh, to school and going away. But um, so yeah, any uh, any advice you need from me, uh, feel free to reach out, brother. Yeah, I love it. It's a new, it's uh, a, it's a new journey. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I want to I want to kind of back up a little bit about what you were talking about about um, kind of being intentional with your family, but you you you, you kind of felt this weight uh, on your shoulders of of having to provide for your family and provide the best life possible for your family. And you thought the best way to do that is to start a business. And what you didn't realize is that you start a, a brick and mortar business and it, it essentially is you're going to work more hours at the brick and mortar than you would at, at a normal job. And um, your family obviously felt the impact on that. And a lot of things that I teach my dads is that, listen, um, <clears throat> your legacy really doesn't start outside the home. It starts within the home. And that's something that, that a lot of dads don't understand. They feel like they have to build this legacy. You felt like this legacy of you building this bike store uh, was going to be left for your family. But at, at the end, your family was being hurt. And one of the reasons why I started my podcast, similar to you, um, like I have, I have the Dad Up podcast, but I also have my Dad Up tribe, which is my, mm-hmm. my Facebook group. And um, the reason that I kind of started that is to kind of show dads that, hey, you can, be a, 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 you can be a successful business person, you can be a successful entrepreneur, you can be a successful athlete, uh, actor, whatever it is that you want to be in life, you can be successful at it, but you can also be a successful father too. You don't, ha- you don't have to focus in one area and, and give it all you got. You, you can be both. And it's something that I was very, you know, I don't want to kind of brag, but I was very good at doing that. I'm very successful in the stuff that I do outside of home, out of the side of the home, but I'm very successful at the stuff that I do in the home as well, between my wife and my kids. And I think you kind of realize that. And that's why you took that shift. Um, how did your family feel? I know that you took on, that's a huge risk to take on a quarter of a million dollars in debt, um, kind of stuck as to what to do now. Um, how did your family feel about that shift? I mean, was it different for them? Uh, obviously you had, I'm sure at that point you had two boys at yeah, that point. It, it <laughs> my wife, I think my wife was very, very, well, she was, and she tells me she was very relieved. You know, even if I wasn't super focused in on them, I was still present, like present physically, maybe not emotionally and mentally, but I was still physically present, which obviously gives a sense of relief for her. And I would take the kids to the park. And I just kind of remember it's just kind of a thing I did. And it, there was so much missed. I kind of look back and how I operate now and how I operated then. So I remember when uh, the real shift was when I started kind of going down this personal growth, like, what do I need to do to be a better person? What do I need to do to Im- feel happy about who I am so that I can give the most to my kids? And when I started doing that, not long after I I decided I was going to drive my kids to school every single day and pick them up every single day. Uh, As an educator, I could do that. And it was, and it was awesome. So I started doing that and um, the conversations like were just phenomenal. And what I've learned is the car time, (laughs) individual car time is like one of the golden nuggets that every parent needs to grab a hold of and take, because that's, that's undivided attention. And I let them sit right up front with me. You know, Hey, I'm, I'm not on my phone. Let's not be on our phones. Let's talk. It's not forced. It's just natural. And 
to the point where now my boys, like the other day I had to go to target. I mean, it's not fun. I just had to run it. I'm like, Hey, Corbin, you want to he- head out in his like, boom, he's, he's 13, almost 14 jump. Yes. It's like the opportunity, right? So even having opportunities like that, but there was this day I was driving my kids to school and I think every dad has this, but um, my son said, Hey daddy, you know what I want to be when I grow up? And I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm like, what? He goes, I want to be a daddy like you. And dude, I almost had to pull over because I, I'm pretty sure my eyes were just completely covered up in tears because I realized that I had shifted from this guy who always worked to my son seeing my identity at that point from his point of view as a dad, not as whatever it was before. So they really, they obviously really loved it. When it really clicked is when I went through that personal journey of um, improving my own outlook and my own um, mindset. And that's when another business came along. Another business that took less of my time and made more money. I was able to retire from education early and um, have this great, great business where I was able to spend more time. And that's really the thing for me. Like now my whole business is based around um, saving time. Like, and, and so I literally, and this is not to brag, just like you, this is not to brag. I literally work 15 to 30 hours a week max. And it's taken me a long time to get there, but I do that very specifically because there's things in my life that are more important than the grind, than working and producing income. So there's ways around uh, long hours for dollars, uh, but that's that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that um, because it's it's important to understand that the hours that we work is important. Obviously, we're, we're trying to provide for our family, um, but you know, for me, like you talk about you working 15 to 30 hours a week. For me, I've been in corporate, I work in the corporate world and I've been in corporate America since I got out of the military. Uh, so I've been in the corporate America, uh, corporate world for almost 25 years. And for me, it was so important for me. I'm, even though I'm working in corporate, in the corporate world, uh, I had to have the opportunity to be there for my kids whenever they needed me to. And if the job that I was working at, the company that I was working for, wasn't going to be accommodating to that, I would find a different company to work for. It was just that simple. There was not going to be any discussion. It was not going to be open for discussion. And fortunately for me, the company that I work for, I've worked for for 25 years. They've been very flexible. I coach everything that my boys were a part of, uh, still coach basketball to this day, and they're even out of high school now. So um, that's how important it was to me. I've yeah. never, I mean, I can count on one hand how many things I've missed that, that they participated in. Um, that's how important it was to me. And I made that sacrifice. Now there were things like I'm sure you did. There were things that I had to sacrifice at work in order to be there for my kids. Like there were mornings that I was leaving and getting at the office at four 30 in the morning. Right. Just so I could leave at two o'clock in the afternoon to make basketball practice or games or whatnot. So there were little sacrifices I had to make, but those were sacrifices I was willing to make to be there for my boys. So I want to ask you, because a lot of dads struggle with this. A lot of dads struggle with that balance, especially entrepreneurs. Um, they're, they're out of the house a lot more typically than somebody that works like me in, a, in the corporate world. But what advice would you give to dads that might be struggling in that area? Like, what can I do different now for my family um, to show them that, yes, I am here for them just as much as I'm here for my company as well. I love that question. And this is a, a big one that comes up in my group. It probably comes up in your group. It's a very common uh, friction point for men. And really, there are some, some 
people and a lot of people who have no choice. They've got to do the 40, 50 hours. It's just the way life is. My dad was a business owner from you know my entire life. And I, I want to model this after what he did because I had a, a phenomenal father is he would come home and he would he wouldn't talk about work. He just put it all away. One of the very first things he did when my sister and I were young, and this is something I tell men is like, have physical contact, fun, physical contact with your kids. He would come wrestle with me, you know, hug my sister, read her a book, sit on the, on the couch, but he was 100% intentional and focused with, with his time. It's not always about quantity. It's about quality. And a kid will notice if you're on your phone, they'll notice if you're distracted worth work things. So you have to start to learn to compartmentalize and you will find great joy and rest and recovery. But a lot of men come home. And I remember doing this when I was working in corporate America as well. They come home and they're like, I've been making decisions all day long. I've had a bunch of other children, which, you know, co coworkers around me all day long. And I'm not, I don't have the energy. And that's a lie you're telling yourself, because if you do parenting this right and you do that intentional and, and husband, you know, paying attention to your spouse uh, or your partner with full attention, that's an energy giver. It's not an energy taker. So when you engage in it with the mindset of this is my this is my fill, I'm stopping off at the gas tank for my soul right now. I'm going to put everything aside and I'm going to focus 100 percent, even if it's just an hour. You're going to you're going to fill up your tank. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be ready to roll. That sitting down, having a beer, watching whatever is is an old fallacy of rest. It is not rest. And um, so reframe how you're looking at rest once you get home, because if you do things with intentionality with your your loved ones, you will feel rested. Mm. Yes, I love that energy um, filling up that gas tank. I, I like to tell dads that hey, you can't have uh, you can't come home with that that gas tank on empty. And and something that I encourage dads to do that you know if they had a very busy stressful day at the office and you you're on your way home and all you want to do is just chill mm-hmm. when you get home, I encourage them. Hey, look, take a little extra time driving home. Go for a little extra drive so you can just kind of let your mind just kind of relax get into a cycle where you know that when you come in the door, you're going to be able to provide the energy needed for your kids or your wife. And I think, you know, for someone like me that, you know, I, I leave the office, I go right to basketball practice and, or, or to a game. And then by the time I get home, I mean, I'm out the door at seven o'clock in the morning, drop my wife off at work. And then I head to the office. And then after basketball practice or games, I'm not home until nine, nine 30 at night. But guess what? When I'm home, I don't go straight to bed. Right. When I'm home, that's my time to kind of talk to my wife, see how she's doing. I check in. One of my sons is here. The other one's in college, but um, I check in with him, see how his day was. Um, so I still provide that. Hey, I'm here for you guys. And it's so important. And so even though as tired and as, as drained as I am, I still have that energy to give them because it's important and it shows that they're um, important to you. Um, yeah. So it's something to keep in mind for dads out there. Um, what kind of challenges are you facing right now? Cause you got, uh, two teenagers. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I think it's the same challenge as everybody. It's, it's, um, switching gears. It literally is switching gears. One, one challenge I will warn everybody is there's a point where your, your kid gets old enough that they know everything. <laughs> and, um, and so, it, you know, I, 
we we're bobbing in and out of that period right now, especially with the 17 year old, you know, 16 hit. It was like, all of a sudden I was obsolete. Every, every lesson I'd ever learned was obsolete. And I still, I, I'm very careful in what I, what I've learned and it works is even when they need advice and they don't want to hear it, I'm going to say, I know you don't want to hear this. I have zero expectations. I'm just going to tell you the quick story, a quick antidote, and then you can do what you want with it. And that gives them that aut- autonomy. Like mm-hmm. it's my decision if I act in the way that my dad may have learned a lesson and I tell him of a failure I had or a situation I had, I don't tell him of how great I was at someone, something I say, Hey, when I was in that situation, here's what happened to me. And I don't ever want that to happen to you. So here's my piece of advice, take it or leave it. And I think that like, I love you. I'm going to tell you what I've learned, but it's on you so that we can, can give them that, that stretch, that growth space. That's Mm -hmm. a big, that's a big um, teenage thing. And then just seizing every moment time is fleeting when they're in high school, you know, he's involved in all sorts of stuff, band, uh, sports, academics, girlfriend. So you just take advantage. And another thing that I did, my parents did, I was a skateboarder when I was a kid as a a rebel, as a skateboarder. So my dad built a half pipe, made the best half pipe in town. So guess where everybody went? They went to my house. So I've kind of learned like, Hey, it's okay to have friends over because then like, I'm still inserted in that life. You want to not be the cool house because you're letting everybody do things they shouldn't be doing. You want to be the cool house because you're, you're open arms, you're kind, you're respectful, and you let the kids have a great time while staying within the boundaries, of course. Um, but those, I think those are like just big time hacks that people don't quite get a hold of because they want to teach, 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 teach. And there's just a real coerced, nice little way to slip it in and let it kind of sink in on their own timing. Yeah. Uh, very cool. There's a couple of things I want to touch on there because uh, they're so important for parents to understand. And that's um, number one, uh, you're right. When your kids hit a certain age, uh, sometimes it's a lot younger than, than, than we would <laughs> liked it to be. But when your kids hit a certain age, usually that typical teenage age, uh, they know everything. Uh, and the th- everything that you tell them is absolutely wrong. I, I, I feel sometimes I face that with my basketball team. Like I tell them and it's like, they look at me like, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yet all the basketball coaches have about a hundred years coaching experience over their, you know, 10 and 10 years of playing experience. So, um, but I, so I feel like that, you know, with my boys, it was kind of the same thing. And I tell parents, listen, your kids, I'm a huge believer in being your kids and your kids being your best friend. I'm a huge believer in that. Uh, but one thing that I will tell you is that when they're in those teenage years, they are not your friend. They don't want anything to do with you. They want to be independent. Uh, and I will tell you this, when they get to be about 21, 22 years old, they start to come back around again. Uh-huh. My son's 23 and he's one of my best friends. Um, so he starts to come back around again because they get that maturity level. They start to grow up. Those type of things happen. Yeah, so that's first. Um, number two, a part about providing guidance, providing advice, um, something that you're there as a parent to raise up these. Listen, they're, they're, they're not your kids. They're God's kids. Right. And he's loaned them to you to, to raise up. And one of the things that you do for your kids is you provide safety you provide uh, living, you know, allowing them to live, food, house, you know, food, shelter, clothing, those type of things, and you provide guidance. And with, especially with teenagers, when you're providing guidance to them, they're either going to take it or leave it. And kids want to be independent. So 
they're either going to listen to you or they're not. And one thing that I used to tell my boys, listen, I'm going to give you this advice. If you decide to take my advice, great. If you decide not to take my advice, that's okay. But Mm -hmm. just know that whatever happens from the advice that you take or don't take, you have to be willing to, you know, deal with it. Um, And because life, you know, when they grow up, life hits them in the chin and and they have to learn to deal with challenges and, and, and adversity. So um, super important. Um, can, I add, can I add something to that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, one way that I really like to frame this is like, we're not raising children, we're raising for future adults. And I think there's a real clear differentiation that happens when you really kind of take on that mindset. Cause you're, you start to like, I want to be friends. So I want to be friends and, and have an amazing relationship with my sons. They do need to have black and white boundaries because mm-hmm. that's safety to kids, right? That's absolutely safety. It, it, unknowns are unsafe. But the other thing that I've learned that is really, really hard. And I pray for this every day is that they will face some sort of challenge and that they will fail and learn from their failures. And it's really hard to pray that your kids will fail it. And people sometimes look at me like, you're crazy. I'm like, but how do you learn best? You learn best by going through experiences. And I pray that it's soft and easy and they can get the max, you know, max out of it without pain, too much pain or suffering, but really they've got to go through that. So it's really good just to be that guide. Like you said, give them advice, take it or leave it and let things fall where they fall and then be that comfort when they come home. Um, but I think just by framing that you're raising a future adult, it really kind of resets that, like, what should I do now? Well, how do you, how do you handle these things when you're on your own? And it's not that we're here to say, hey, you're on your own. We're here to say, hey, here's a really nice guideline for how I do it and how I've learned to do it. And so I just think that um, there's just so much value in creating really great bond and friendship with your kids, Mm -hmm. as well as letting them, we can't be helicopter parents. It's really, really not effective, but just letting them go through life and being there to pick them up and say, yeah, let's dust you off. What did you learn from this? Let's go get it the next time. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Listen, uh, as parents, we know, we all know, and I'm speaking to everyone that's listening to this or watching this, but we all know our kids are going to face challenges. Our kids are going to face adversity. Our kids are going to mess up. Uh, We as adults, as parents still mess up. I still mess up every single day. There's something that I'm doing wrong. Um, There's stuff that, but we have to learn from those things. Like he said, like Scott said, it's, 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 listen, your kid's going to mess up, but let's allow them to make that mistake. As long as it's not dangerous. And as long as it's, you know, not illegal, let's allow them to go through those challenges and then help them learn from it. Right. Um, I think for my boys, it was the same thing. I'm, I've told my boys, I don't care what it is you do or don't do. I will always have your back. So don't ever think that I'm going to uh, abandon you or anything. I'm here for you. I'll support you in anything that you do or don't do. I hope that you make the right decisions. And if you don't, I'm going to be right there on your shoulder saying, we got this, let's do it. And so I think that's super important for parents to understand. And um, sometimes parents forget that sometimes parents, um, you know, they, they, they struggle with this and they think that, that, you know what, they can't fix their kid or they can't fix it. And and really it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not difficult. Uh, There may be times where you need to have a therapist come in and I'm not opposed to therapy uh, for kids or, or parents. Um, I'm not opposed to that. Um, my wife and I have gone through just as a couple, you know, we've gone, we, we have a marriage coach now. Uh, I talk about it all the time on my show because I think it's so important. We have a marriage yeah. coach now 
And yes. it's not, not because we have issues. It's just because, so we don't have issues and we see this marriage coach once a month and it's something that we take very seriously. Um, and we love it. Um, so it's that's called, awesome. It's called yeah. living with intentionality. I mean, right. if you are intentional in your marriage, you will do active things to make sure it is thriving. Same with your kids. And another thing you brought up, you said that has been a gate. My parents were this way and we have done this with our kids. Like, look, no matter how bad you screw up, we're going to love you. Like that's unconditional. We may not approve of it, but we're going to support you and help you. So if you mess up, you can call us. You don't need to run. And, and I think that's a, another thing that we need to do as, as parents is talk through scenarios. If you make a really bad decision and are in a situation that's not okay, you know that you can call us and we're not going to jump down your throat. We're going to, we're going to help. We're first of all, we're going to come in, we're going to help and we're going to give it time before we talk about it. And so relieve some pressure from your kids in those times when they will uh, make a mistake. Therefore, if they go out and they drink and they're, they don't know where they're at and they're in a really bad situation, they got blasted and they're afraid to call you for the judgment. You need to have that set up so that you're the one that they actually call. So you can come in grab them, do what you need to do and have a really nice adult type conversation a few days later or whatever the time frame is, but set up an, a, a, a trust, a, like a, a trust situation. And also real, real strategic thing is when our kids are at other kids' houses and things aren't going right, we have a code. They are to call. And, and this is one that my wife learned from her mom. If you're at a house and they want to go out and do something illegal, or you're not comfortable with some of the things they're doing, you know, we talk to our boys a lot about porn. I really don't want them falling into that. So we, we're very clear and, and we talk about it very, very clearly and upfront. And I'm like, Hey, if that's the situation, call and say, Hey, but refer, if you get me, refer to me as Scott. And if you get your mom, refer to her as Kim. We know that is the trigger point. We know that that is the secret code. If you call us by our first name, because they never call us by our first name, that means get me out of here, no matter what. We won't even have to ask questions. If you want to share, that's fine. We're so we had these trigger words that if something happens, we're going to swoop in non-judgmental and with love. And they'll usually share because they know there's no judgment and we're going to help them learn from that situation. Have you had that experience yet? You know, I have had it once with one kid and it was, um, he didn't like what the kids were watching and, and doing. And so it's super simple. And then we had it another time where he just didn't, he wasn't having fun. So it's like, we came and bailed him out. Like, Hey, you know, you call later, you say, Oh, sorry, man. Hey, we just had an emergency and boom, we come get them and it's out. And it's, it's, it's great. It's a great escape, right? I'm out of this situation that I feel uncomfortable with because, because peer pressure and, and that type of pressure is immense. It's immense. That's awesome. I love that. And it's great advice for, for parents having a code word all ages for your kid, uh, because yeah, you're right. All ages, um, uh, because they get in these situations and sometimes they don't know how to get out of it. They don't know how to talk their way out of it. They don't know how to dismiss their way out of it. Um, they're not mature enough yet to really, uh, understand that part of it, but you know, as parents, we can step in and, and swoop in and help them. So I love that. Great advice, Scott. Great advice. I, I also did love the fact that you talked about your house being the kind of the center house where everybody went to hang out. I used to do the same thing. I had a good friend. He had a half pipe. I used to ride skateboards too. We used to go to his house and ride his, his dad built this huge, he had a construction company. He built this huge half pipe awesome. on this, on the side of his house and everybody used to go there and, and, and skateboard. Um, that's the other thing that I tell parents, listen, 
have the cool house where everybody wants to come hang out. Then you don't have to worry about whether your kid's doing something bad or, or, or yeah. what he's getting into or, or the type of friends that he's hanging out with because everybody's coming over to your house. You get to see who he's hanging out with and the things that they're doing. Now, if you don't have that situation where your boys or your kids want to go to somebody else's house, my, my recommendation is that you know who those kids are and you know the parents of those kids. It's super important to know the parents as well and know the type of people that they are. I really promote that as well. Um, if you don't know the, if you know the kid, but you don't know the parent, you don't know what the parents are doing, um, that you're just setting yourself up for failure. You need to know the parents too. Uh, super important. We were very close with all my kids' friends uh, and their parents. We knew them all. Uh, we went out with them, those type of things. So we were very comfortable with who my boys were hanging out with. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, very cool. Now, um, I know we're running long here, but if my guests wanted to, my guests, if my listeners wanted to uh, look you up, learn a little bit more about you, best place for them to do that, um, let them know. Yeah. So Brotherhood of Fatherhood on Instagram um, or Scott Ramage, you're going to get a little bit of different things, but a lot of the same stuff on those. But uh, I also have a group on Facebook and I, I honestly believe that men need a community. And I'm super pumped to hear that you have one. Um, it's the brotherhood of fatherhood, but look, if you're going to join mine, make sure you're in the dad up community. I am very abundant minded like that. You can draw from all sorts of places, go find the things that you need. It's a very active group. Uh, and men just literally ask a lot of really hard questions and it's, it's, it's really encouraging. So, um, yeah, that's how you find me. Awesome. Well, listen, um, Thank you very much for being on. I'm super glad we got a chance to know each other. And listen, I, you know, this is a podcast for dads. And, and just because you have a podcast for dads as well, and you have a, you have a, you know, your brotherhood, you're, you're, you know, people would say, oh my gosh, Brian, that's a competitor of yours. Why oh. are you having, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. We're all in this community together. We're all here to help each other. And there's one common goal to make us better parents, yes. not just better dads, but better parents. Um, so any time that I have run into other dads that have similar interests in me, as far as, you know, a podcast or a Facebook group or things like that, and they have, and their mission is the same as mine, that's a plus for them. And for me, that's a huge plus. So, um, I'm super glad that we got a chance to know each other. I just want to thank you again for being on, man. It's, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for joining me and Scott on another episode of Dad Up. I appreciate you guys listening, watching, wherever you are. Make sure you guys check out Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Make sure you check out his Facebook group. And then obviously make sure you subscribe to my show if you haven't yet. Um, please do so. You can check out all that out in the links below. But uh, just want to let you all know, uh, appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dad Up. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. And do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review. would love to hear from you to see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes coming up each and every week. Thank you for listening. This is Dad Up.